You're listening to the Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. Episode 15 By the Riverside. When Nausicaa thought about going back home, and folding the beautiful clothes and yoking the mules, then the goddess bright-eyed Athena had another thought about how Odysseus might wake and see the fair-eyed girl, and she might lead him to the city of the Phaeacus. Then the princess threw the ball to a maid, but missed her and threw it into a deep whirlpool. They gave a long shout, and divine Odysseus woke. He sat up and wondered to himself, "'Oh, God, what country have I reached?' Are these people overbearing, wild, and lawless, or are they hospitable with God-fearing minds? I'm surrounded by the shouting of girls. Nymphs, who hold the high mountain peaks, headwaters, and grassy meadows? Or am I somewhere near human voices? Come on, I'll try to see for myself. So saying, divine Odysseus emerged from the bushes. He broke a branch of leaves from the thick copse with his strong hand to cover himself and hide the male parts of himself in particular. He made his way like a mountain lion, relying on his strength. Soaked with rain, beaten by wind, his eyes blazing, he carries on. He goes after oxen and rams or wild deer, driven by his stomach, to enter even a dense sheepfold trying to catch sheep. That's how Odysseus was about to meet with the fair-haired girls, despite being naked, because he had to. He looked terrifying to them, disfigured with sea brine. They scattered and fled across the jutting beach. Only Alcinous' daughter remained. Athena put courage in her heart and took the fear from her limbs. She stood and held her ground face to face with him. Odysseus considered whether he should grasp her knees to make an appeal to the fair-eyed girl or, at a distance from where he was, use gentle words and beg for her to show him the city and give him clothes. He thought about it, and that seemed like his best bet, to appeal with gentle words from a distance in case, if he clasped her knees, the girl became angry with him. At once he spoke a clever, persuasive speech. "'I come to your knees, lady. Are you mortal or a goddess? If you're a goddess who holds wide heaven, I think you're the closest in looks and height to great Zeus' daughter Artemis.' If you're mortal and live on earth, thrice blessed are your father and lady mother, thrice blessed your brothers, no doubt their hearts are always warmed with happiness on your account, seeing such a scion join the dance. But more than anyone else, the one who takes you home, weighed down with your dowry, he'll be the happiest. Until now I've never seen a person like this, no man or woman, I'm amazed looking at you. I did see something similar once in Delos. Beside the altar of Apollo, there was a young date palm shooting up. I'd gone there, followed by many men, on that road that would end up being bad trouble for me. Seeing that sapling, I was deeply amazed for a long time, just like now, since no tree had ever sprouted from the earth quite like that. In the same way, I wonder and am amazed by you, lady." And I'm horribly afraid to clasp your knees. I'm in trouble. Yesterday I escaped the wine-dark sea after twenty days. That's how long the waves and rushing hurricanes continuously carried me from the island of Ogygia. 
Now a spirit, a daimon, threw me down here, so I could no doubt suffer evil here as well. Because I don't think it will stop. The gods will sooner continue to throw things at me. But lady, take pity. I've struggled through many troubles, and I come to you first. I don't know any of the other men who hold this city and this country. Show me the town, and... Give me a rag to throw around myself. Maybe you had some wrapping for the clothes when you came here. I hope the gods give you exactly what your heart desires. A home? A husband? Someone you agree with? Someone with the same mind as you? There's nothing better and stronger than that. Two people, man and wife, with the same way of thinking about things, the same way of looking at the world, having a home together. It brings plenty of pain to those who wish them ill, and joy to those who wish them well, and they're aware of what they have most of all. White-armed Nausicaa said back to him, Stranger, you don't seem like a bad or foolish man. Olympian Zeus himself hands out happiness to men, the good ones and the bad, however he wants to each. And he seems to have given this to you, so you'll have to endure it. But now, since you've come to our city and our country, you'll certainly not lack clothing or anything else that's appropriate for a long-suffering man who comes here seeking protection. I'll show you the town, and tell you the name of the people. The Fayekes hold this city and the country. I'm the daughter of Great Arjelkinos. He has both authority and power from the Fayekes. She spoke and told her fair-haired servants, Maids, stand with me. Where are you going? You see a man and you run. Surely you don't think he's somehow from the enemy. He isn't, and there won't ever be a living person who could come to the land of the Fayekes bringing war. We're very dear to the immortals. We live far away in the much-surging sea. We're the outliers. We don't have any contact with anyone else. But this wretched, wandering man comes here, and we have to take care of him. All beggars and strangers come from Zeus, and even a small gift is precious. So, maids, give the stranger food and drink and wash him in the river where there's shelter from the wind. That's what she said. And the maids stood and egged each other on, and then they sat Odysseus down in the sheltered spot, just like Nausicaa, the daughter of great-hearted Alcinous, told them. They put clothes by him, a mantle and a tunic, and gave him the golden flask filled with fine olive oil. They told him to go wash in the current of the river. Then divine Odysseus said to the maids, Maids, go farther away, so I can wash the salt from my shoulders and rub in the olive oil. It's been a while since I've had any oil to put on my skin, and I don't want to bathe in front of you. I'm ashamed to be naked in front of fair-haired girls. That's what he said, and they went away and told the girl. Then divine Odysseus bathed in the river. He washed away the brine that covered his broad shoulders and back. He wiped the salt crust from his head. Once he'd washed everything and thoroughly rubbed himself down with oil, he dressed in the clothes the unmarried girl had given him. Athena, born of Zeus, made him look greater and stronger, and she made his hair flow down from his head, curling like hyacinth flowers. Like when someone gilds silver with gold. A skilled craftsman, who creates graceful things, taught all sorts of skills by Hephaestus and Pallas Athena, that's how she poured grace on Odysseus' head and shoulders. The girl stared, and then she said to her fair-haired maids, Ladies, listen up, I have to say something. 
I don't think it's against the will of all the gods who hold Olympus that this man has met with the god vying Phaeacus. Before, I thought he was ugly, and now... He's like the gods who hold wide heaven. Oh, if only there was someone like that living here who wanted to stay right here and be my husband. But, anyway, give the stranger food and drink. That's what she said. And they certainly heard and obeyed. They put food and drink next to him, and yes, much enduring divine Odysseus ate and drank greedily. It had been a long time since he'd had anything to eat. Then white-armed Nausicaa thought of something else. She folded the clothes and put them in the fine wagon. She yoked the strong-hoofed mules and climbed in herself. Then she got Odysseus' attention. She spoke up and called to him, Stranger, get up now. Time to go to the city, so I can send you to the house of my warlike wise father. I think you'll be seen there by all the best of the Phaeacus. But you don't seem like an idiot to me, so this is exactly what you should do. While we're traveling through men's fields and farms, go quickly with the maids behind the mules in the cart. I'll lead the way. When we reach the city, there's a high wall around it, a fine harbor on each side, and a narrow entrance. Smooth-turning ships are drawn up along the way, and each of them has their own shed. There's an assembly place, a beautiful temple to Poseidon on both sides, made of quarried stones that were fixed together and embedded. That's where they look after the black ship's tackle, the cables and ropes, and taper the oars. The Phaeacus don't care about bows or quivers. They prefer masts and oars and smooth-turning ships to travel the grey sea rejoicing. I want to avoid their bitter talk. Someone might criticize later. They're very overbearing in this region. And one of the worst might say something like this if he ran into us now. Who's this big, handsome stranger following Nausicaa around? Where'd she find him? I bet he's going to be her husband now. Maybe she rescued someone who strayed from his ship. A foreigner, since there's no countries nearby. Or maybe some god came down from heaven in answer to her many prayers and he'll have her all her days. That would be better if she went around and found herself a husband somewhere else. Honestly, she shames the many nobles who court her, the Phaeacus, right in front of her in the region. That's what they'll say. And those things would be meant to scold me, and I'd resent someone else who did those kind of things. Who went against the will of her dear parents while they're still alive and involved herself with men before everyone saw her get married. Listen to what I'm saying, stranger, so you can quickly get an escort and a homecoming from my father. Near the road, you'll find the splendid poplar grove of Athena. A fountain flows in it, a meadow on each side. My father's property and a flourishing garden is there, shouting distance from the city. Sit there for a while, and wait for us to reach town and come to my father's house. Then, when you think we've arrived home, go to the city of the Phaeacus and ask for the house of my father, great-hearted Alkinos. It's easy to recognize even a foolish child could lead you there. The house of the hero Alkinos isn't built like any of the other Phaeacus houses. Once you're inside the portico and the house, head very quickly through the hall till you reach my mother. She sits by the hearth, in the firelight, spinning sea-purple wool, wonderful to look at. She leans against a pillar, her slave women sitting behind her. My father's throne is set there, too. He sits, like an immortal, drinking wine. Go right by him, and throw your hands around my mother's knees, so you can quickly take joy in seeing your homecoming day, even if your home is very far away. If that woman takes a liking to you, then there's hope for you to see your dear ones and come to your well-built house and to your fatherland. So saying... Nausicaa lashed the mules with a shining whip. 
They quickly left the current of the river. They ran smoothly and trotted well. She drove carefully and used the whip wisely, so those on foot, the handmaids and Odysseus, could follow. The sun sank, and they came to the famous holy grove of Athena. There divine Odysseus sat, and at once he prayed to the daughter of great Zeus. Hear me, child of Zeus, the Aegis-bearer, Atritone, tireless one. You didn't hear me before, when I was wrecked and the famous earth-shaker thrashed me. Listen to me now. Grant that when I come to the Fayeques they treat me as a friend and take pity on me. That's how he prayed. And Pallas Athena heard him, but she didn't appear to him in person just yet, out of regard for her father's brother. Poseidon would still be violently angry with God-vying Odysseus until he came to his own land. You've been listening to The Odyssey Out Loud. I'm Anna Katerina. You can learn more and listen to new episodes at theodysseyoutloud.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash odysseyoutloud. Thank you for listening. <laughs>